Welcome back into episode Who the Fuck Knows of the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford with you. It is Wednesday, April 1st. We've made it through March 2020. That's fantastic. That's the good news. The bad news is who knows if April's going to be uh, any better. Who knows if May is going to be any better. We're all in the exact same boat, but uh, we haven't talked with you in a while, and I'm going to let you know real quickly why. The last couple of weeks, like so many people, our home care situation for our child care situation here for the little one has been thrown into a little bit of a state of flux. My wife, Mary, works in the medical field, so it goes without saying, with, with no sports happening, her job is just a little bit more important than mine, so I've been spending like 80% of my days now doing the whole dad slash husband activity stuff and not having as much time for blogging, certainly not having as much time for the pod, but do have some time today, so wanted to hop on. I'm doing it fine solo today. Uh, Danny actually has kind of the same situation going. His wife is an essential employee. She also works in the medical field, so he's been having to take care of uh, his two little ones. It's you know, way worse. I, I can't imagine what he's been dealing with with two kids uh, that are, I think, like, what, six and, and three running around and terrorizing him, but he's been in kind of the same boat, so it's been hard for us to get together, but going to fly solo today. I'm not going to make a habit of this because I think that podcasts and radio shows where it's just one dude or just one woman talking are typically bad. Um, some people can do it. Some people can do it really well. I cannot. I'm not one of those people. Back in the old radio show days, RIP, when John was out and I had to do the show by myself, I always felt like it was just I was just struggling to get through, just swimming to get through. It's like if you're at a dinner party and only one person is talking they can be pretty engaging for maybe 15 to 20 minutes, but after, at some point in that three-hour dinner, you're going to get really, really annoyed of that person. And I feel like that's what always happens with podcasts or, or radio shows where it's just one guy talking. But for today, I did want to hop on and just kind of update some of the recent Louisville sports happenings and answer some of your guys' questions. So it is just going to be me today. We had we had so much fun stuff planned for this month. It's, I mean, way down on the list of reasons why everything now sucks, but still for us... We had some cool partnerships in place. We had some some cool March Madness stuff going on. I was going to bring Keith on to talk about spring football and some of the stuff that's been going on there. And now, obviously, all that has been blown to shit. But there is still some stuff happening in the world of, of Louisville athletics. Most of it is men's basketball related. But before we get to that, a couple of quick things that happened in the last 48 hours or so. Today, again, Wednesday, uh, Dana Evans announced that she's coming back for her senior season. She had previously said that she was going to at least consider making an early jump to the WNBA. She'll be back. ACC Player of the Year in 2020, second-team All-American with uh, Sabrina Ionescu from Oregon now finally gone. She'll be one of the frontrunners, I would say, Dana will be, to be National Player of the Year going into next season. So that'll be fun. Jeff Walsh should be loaded. And then nationally, I think the big story of the last uh, 48 hours or so, outside of the scheme from HBO premiering and Will Wade looking like a, uh, a son of a bitch, the spring sports athletes are going to have an extra year of eligibility. The NCAA officially voted for that a couple of days ago. They did not vote for the winter sports athletes to get an extra year of eligibility. So we won't get a 17th season of Ryan McMahon, but we could potentially get a couple of guys from the Louisville baseball team that was so highly thought of going into this year back for another year, maybe most notably Luke Smith of fuck you, fuck you fame from last year's college world series. He has at least acknowledged on social media that he will now be considering coming back for an extra year. I think kind of the downer of it is draft eligible juniors like Reed Detmers. He's, you know, this doesn't mean a whole lot to him. He's probably still going to go to the major league baseball draft and this is going to be the last we've seen of him, but still good news for those athletes that we don't spend enough time talking about. They get an extra year. That was good. Um, 
before we take some of your questions, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Jay Scrub situation on the basketball side of things. Also, the grad transfer situation, which is where uh, most of your all's questions were centered on. And then a couple of scheduling notes for Louisville basketball for next season. Again, it, it's going to feel weird to talk about scheduling stuff because who knows where we're going to be a month from now, let alone seven months from now or nine months from now. But there have been some announcements on that front. But we'll start with Jay Scrub because... Thank God for Jay Scrub. If nothing else, the man has given us stuff to talk about for the last week or so. If you weren't following Jay Scrub pandemonium last week, he officially did declare that he was going to make himself eligible for the NBA draft, which is no surprise. I think the only the only surprise maybe was how candid he and his father both were about the idea that they really want to stay in the draft, like he really wants to be, he doesn't want to play college basketball at Louisville if the situation can help it. And he's made that abundantly clear. It's not, it's no shot at Louisville. He's just, and if you read the tea leaves pretty much from last fall through now, it's been really obvious that it wasn't NBA's option one, Louisville's option two. It's he and his dad have both been of the mindset that the NBA is option one, two, three, and four, and Louisville is option five. And he, made that very, very apparent last week when he made his announcement. He did go on um, the drive with Mark Ennis and, and Luke Hancock and kind of tempered those comments just a little bit. I think he's been a little bit more laid back with everything than his father has, which has kind of been the case throughout the whole process. But he told Mark and Luke that if, if things don't work out with the draft, he'll spend a year at Louisville. And that's good. I'll go ahead and say I'm working under the assumption at this point that Jay Scrub is not going to play a second for Louisville. I think that he is he is hell-bent on starting his professional career. If you look at his comments on social media, if you look at, I mean, he said something to Caleb Love along the lines of, you get to run the ACC now. He uh, is on Instagram talking about how he's going to see Rondo in the league next year. I don't think it's just a, a wish deal. I, th I think in his mind, this is what's going to happen for him. And if you've been, if you ever listened to the radio show or you followed the website for a certain amount of years, you know that in I'd say 95% of these types of situations, I'm in favor of the kid leaving. I think there are a number of reasons why. In recent years, the, the, the financial implications of being a second-round draft pick have become much, much better than they used to be. It's not like it used to be, I think, 10, 15 years ago, where if you weren't a first-round pick, it just wasn't worth going if you had the potential to be a first-round pick. I think also kids are seeing more and more, especially when they're juniors and seniors who are 20, 21, 22, a lot of times those guys don't have chances to improve their stock. It's not like it used to be where you could be a good player as a junior who could go from being maybe a borderline late second round pick and play your way into being a first round pick as a senior. When's the last time we had something like that happen? I mean, maybe like Terrence Williams is probably the best example of a kid doing that. And he did that back in 2008, 2009. It's been a long, long time. That's no longer the norm. So if you're a 21 kid who looks at your situation and says, I can go make $100,000 playing in Europe or come back to school and a year from now I can make $100,000 playing in Europe, why not go ahead and take advantage of the situation right now and go ahead and forego my final year or two years of college eligibility? And I think that that's fine. I mean, the the lifeline of a professional basketball player is what, 10 to 12 years? You've got 10 to 12 years to make as much money as you can and then start your second life. A year in college where you're making nothing is a huge deal. Like That's a huge hit to those career earnings. So I, I don't fault kids at all who make those decisions. And I think you're going to see more and more of that until we get some sort of uh, name, image, likeness stuff in college athletics. But that's obviously a topic for another day. 
I think with Jay Scrub, his situation is unique. And I'm going to come out and flatly say, I think right now, again, my assumption is that he's going to stay in the draft no matter what. I think he's making a mistake. I think he's making a mistake because if you look at the the draft big boards from guys like Jonathan Gavoni, from guys like Sam Bassini, and they don't just rank their players based on who they like. It's, it, it goes into it, but they talk to NBA executives. They talk to coaches. They get a sense of where guys are going to be drafted, who has the, the, the chance to jump from fringe second-round pick to mid-first-round pick. Like They know what they're talking about. Nobody has Jay Scrub right now as a top-60 prospect. Not many people have him being taken in the second round of their mock drafts. He is looking like a guy who more than likely is going to go undrafted in this, in, in this draft or be a very, very late second round pick. The issue for Jay Scrub right now is he's not going to have a chance to really change that because I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news. There's not going to be an NBA draft combine. It's not going to happen. And if they do do team workouts or something along those lines, it's not going to be the way that it usually is. And I think Jay Scrub's biggest asset is his bounciness, his athleticism. I think he could have been a combine star. He's not going to get that opportunity. All that these executives and all that these coaches are going to have to, to base his stock on are going to be the junior college clips that we've already seen. And how many times in the last 30 years have we seen a kid go straight from junior college to the NBA and have success? It has not happened. Uh, Dante Smith is the last player to do it, period. And that was 2004. Um, ironically, he was a, a guy who was going to go to Louisville as well if he didn't go ahead and make that leap. And like, wasn't great. Like he was not an NBA superstar. And I think the difference with Jay Scrub being in the situation than just about any other junior college player in the country is, I think Jay Scrub can be an NBA first round pick. But I think he has to have an opportunity to prove it. And it's not going to come at the combine. It's not going to come at these team workouts. His best opportunity to prove his worth as a first round pick is going to be one year at Louisville. And it doesn't sound like he's willing to go that route. So obviously, selfishly, I want him to come play here because I think the kid's really, really good. And I don't say any of this to make a point that he's not going to make it in the NBA or that just because he's going to be potentially an undrafted free agent or a late second round pick, that that means he's going to be a failure. He could absolutely go undrafted in this draft and still make a roster and still be a productive NBA player for 10 to 15 years. He could be a superstar. There's no question about that. But if he wants to put himself in the best possible position to be a first-round pick, to get guaranteed money, to get life-changing money right off the bat, I think one year at Louisville could be the best thing for that. And he's going to get paid regardless if he goes pro, but I think it's going to be a tougher route for him. So we'll see what happens. I, again, I don't think that there's much of a shot of him coming to play at UofL right now. I think when you look at what Chris Mack and his staff have been doing on the recruiting trail with the, the grad transfer that they're targeting, the natural transfer that they're targeting, they seem to be working under the assumption as well that Jay's probably not going to come here. But um, certainly wishing the best of luck. Always want to see Louisville kids do well, whether they come here and play for the cards or not. Um, and I, I do think he'll have a successful professional career. I just think it'd be a lot easier on himself if he spends the one year balling out at Louisville and showing off there. That leads us into the second topic of conversation, and I, I asked for questions from you guys on Twitter, and I'd say 75% of the questions have all revolved around what's going on with these transfers, why aren't we getting anybody, what's the deal here, are we whiffing on recruiting again, like all this stuff. Let's talk about the guys that we are in on that I think we need to be paying attention to before we get into some of the, the misses and what may be happening out there. The one that you've probably heard the most about is Carlick Jones from Radford. He, he was the Big South Player of the Year. He's a Cincinnati native. Jody Demling reported that Chris Mack was the first coach to reach out to him. 
when he announced that he was entering the transfer portal. He's 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 really good. Look at the numbers. I don't want to to start off on a down note. The one thing about him that is maybe a little bit different than some of the other guys that Louisville's targeting. He's six foot one. He's a natural point guard. Louisville obviously already has a natural point guard in David Johnson, who's six foot five. Jones, I guess, potentially could play off the ball, but that's not really his game. I think the other thing that stands out to me about Carly Jones is the one knock on him, if you've paid attention to what people have been writing about him during his career at Radford, and my God, why would you? I assume you, you probably have not, but a lot of people have talked about the fact that he has a tendency of not being engaged defensively. And we've heard, I mean, how many times have we heard Chris Max talk about this and stress that? And that's going to be, that would be an interesting dynamic if he came here. He is, he's a really emotional player. He definitely talks a lot of shit. Um, go, if, I think maybe the best highlight video to watch of him, if you want to get a feel for his game right now, is go back to the 2018 first four. Radford uh, played, uh, I think, LIU, Brooklyn in the first four they won. He almost had a triple double in that game. He's, he's a fantastic player, but he's definitely talking a lot of shit. Like, like that's just kind of who he is. And, and that's definitely not a bad thing, but he really improved his outside shooting this past year. He went from a, like a 25% career three point shooter to a, a 40% three point shooter this past season. I still don't think that that's going to be the part of his game that he hangs his hat on. He's more of a, he just has a great feel for the game. He's a terrific passer. He's a terrific finisher. He uses his body well in traffic. Um, like I said, not a terrific defender. That's something that's going to have to be improved upon. But definitely a guy that you would take uh, if he chose to come here. And he's being targeted by a lot of really high-profile schools. Gonzaga really wants him. Um, some of the other, I think Gonzaga and Louisville seem to be the two schools that most people have talked about as being his front runners. But who the hell knows? Uh, grad transfer scoop is, is even more difficult to get than normal recruit scoop. But He's the guy that a lot of people have been discussing as potentially the first grad transfer who could pop for Louisville. The second guy on the list, and I'll be transparent, this is the guy that I prefer. I think he would be the player who could potentially make the most difference for Louisville this coming season. Justin Turner from Bowling Green I think is a fantastic, fantastic player. If you read, and again, I'm, I'm sure you didn't, if you read the 25 players who will be heard from during championship week thing that I wrote, what was it, three weeks ago? It feels like it was 15 weeks ago. I had Turner on that list. I, I think he's a, a really, really, really good player who's going to – he's not going to be one of these up transfers like Christian Killing last year at North Carolina who just from day one, it looks like the stage is too big for him. Uh, he can play off the ball. I, I think that's maybe – he fits into Louisville's current situation better than I think Carly Jones does right now. He can play off of David Johnson tremendously because Turner's a really good outside shooter. He's a really good mid-range shooter. He's a fantastic free throw shooter, and he's good at getting to the line, but he's not a tremendous ball handler. He's, he's not going to have to be if he comes here and plays in this system. Um, we need, we need three-point shooting. If you look at the, the lineup that we're probably going to be trotting out there right now, like David Johnson, that's a weakness in his game that's going to have to get better. Sam Williamson, he was, he was okay from, from beyond the arc last year, but certainly wouldn't say that that was his strength. And then the other guys, part of the, the downside of having so many veteran players this past year is we didn't really get a long look at, at Josh Nickelberry, at, at Quinn Slazinski, at uh, Jalen Withers, obviously redshirted. But we don't know if one of those guys can step up and become a reliable outside shooting threat this year. We know Justin Turner is that guy. Like He's going to shoot at about a 35% clip, and that's at a high volume. Like He's going to knock down that outside shot. Uh, I think the other thing with Turner that you look at is he hurt his hamstring early in the year when Bowling Green, ironically, uh, upset Cincinnati. 
and they were dog shit without him. Like, like Bowling Green was a bad basketball team when they did not have Justin Turner. When they did have him, they were right there with Akron as being uh, the best team in the MAC. He, uh, I think he would be a, a fantastic, fantastic addition. I know Missouri really wants him. Uh, Maryland's really hard on him. He's going to have his, his pick of the litter, but if he came here, I think he would make a gigantic difference for next season. Brandon Johnson of Western Michigan is another two guard, um, six foot five guy who, who can score it a little bit. I don't know nearly as much about him as I know about Carl Jones or Justin Turner. I haven't seen him play as much as I've seen those guys play. The other area that Mac and company have been targeting, they need a, a four or a five who can be, you know, kind of a Dwayne Sutton who, who can get those types of numbers, who can give you seven, eight rebounds a night. And I know that they reached out to Kevin Marfo, who ultimately eliminated them from their list. They reached out to Jordan Bruner from Yale, who cut Louisville from their list. They've targeted some of those guys already. The one that maybe is is standing out as a bit odd, uh, Matthias Markison from Loyola Marymount, who's a seven foot three guy, sat out all last season. Apparently, I guess his mother had passed away and he took the year off to kind of just collect his thoughts and get away from basketball a little bit. I don't know much about him at all, but he would he would fit the role of what Mac did so well at Xavier, which was have the the, the one in in his four out one in system be kind of a lumbering white guy. He would be a bigger Matt Stainbrook, I guess, if you want to 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 put it that way. Maybe Kenny Freeze would be the better comparison, but uh, he definitely would fit that role. He's not the the Dwayne Sutton type that we were just talking about, but would expect to see Louisville reach out to more power forwards, reach out to more centers. And the other thing that I would stress about this whole process is as much as we get guys like Jeff Goodman and Jeff Borzello tweeting out grad transfers and their lists and the, and the players tweeting them out themselves, sometimes this all happens behind the scenes and you just don't hear uh, at all about this. I think the perfect example is last year, Fresh Kimball. We had talked so much about these other guys that had chosen other schools and, and what was going on and, and who was considering us and may, where we, we might go next. Fresh Kimball out of fucking nowhere, just it's, it's, it's a done deal. The first time that I had heard about Fresh Kimball being on Louisville's radar was when I heard that it was done. Um, I heard it was a done deal. He's coming here. And then the next day it was announced officially. That's We could definitely have one of those situations too. And you're, I mean, we're getting new grad transfers. We're getting new regular transfers every single day in the transfer portal. At last check, there were 635 kids that had announced they were going to transfer schools. There's probably going to be more. Uh, you may have some more attractive options that come up over the, the coming weeks or, or days. But if you get Jones and Turner, I think that's those are both huge additions. Turner, to me, again, I think is the bigger deal. Would love to, to put the full-court press on him. He did say in an interview with Jeff Goodman last week that Chris Mack was the coach who was probably recruiting him the hardest, who was keeping in contact with him the most. Um, again, if you, if you give me him, if you give me Turner, and we have a lineup of David Johnson, Justin Turner, Samuel Williamson, Malik Williams, and then somebody at the four. Obviously, if it's Jay Scrub, you're feeling pretty damn good about that starting five. But anybody else, that's a team that can play. That, that's a team that can compete. Uh, that's a team that I feel, you know, I'm not going to say great about, like they're a, just a automatic Final Four national title contender, but you can definitely work with that. Like That could be a, a team that's very competitive in the ACC. But they're going to have to get some guys. There's no question about that. They really, really need to, to lock down at least one elite grad transfer. And don't pay attention to John Rostein talking about how bad the up transfers from this past year were, how bad the guys who went from the Big South of the NEC to play in the ACC were. That's that's not the norm. Like, like Most times, if you can play, you can play. I'm not saying 
Turner's going to average 19 points a game at Louisville, or Carlick Jones is going to average 20 points per game at Louisville, but they're going to be able to contribute. They're going to be able to be good. And you've seen, we've, we've seen this firsthand. Damian Lee came here. He was all ACC. Um, Kristen Cunningham was probably the second best player on that team that was a seven seed in the tournament two years ago. Um, I mean, I, I think even Fresh Kimball played a role this year that was necessary and important. They're not always going to be superstars, but they're going to be guys that you have to have if you're going to, to be competitive, if you're not going to fall off as much as you are hoping for from the year before. So that's, uh, that's kind of my grad transfer spiel there. But again, it's all very fluid. We could have somebody come out of effing nowhere, and uh, that could absolutely happen. Let's get to some of your questions on, on Twitter. Um, a lot of people have talked about the scheduling. Here's, here's the latest developments on Louisville's schedule for next year. It was announced today, or reported today by John Rothstein of uh, CBS Sports that Louisville's going to play in the Armed Forces Classic against Oklahoma State. And again, this is all assuming that we get November college basketball, which is a uh, pretty broad assumption at this point. That will be a sexy matchup because Oklahoma State's getting Cade Cunningham, who's the number one player in this recruiting class. He's the projected number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft, according to just about any, everybody, which is why OSU, who had a pretty down year um, this past season, is still popping up in a lot of these preseason top 25s. That's, that would be fun. Uh, you'll have a lot of eyes in that game. We've played in the Armed Forces Classic before. It's a cool early season event. Um, excited about that. The second uh, early season event that Louisville is already committed to, they're going to play in that Las Vegas Invitational um, at the MGM Grand. Uh, and the other three teams that are going to be involved, we now know who they are. Arkansas with Eric Musselman, who hopefully will be just snorting cocaine and losing a bunch of money at casinos the night before they play us. If they do play us, they're going to be there. San Francisco, which has a really, really talented young coach in Todd Golden. They play a, um, an exciting style of basketball. He's younger than me, though. I fucking hate that, so I would love to beat them. They're going to be there. And then Colorado State, which is still in a little bit of a state of flux, and, and they're going to be losing um, a bunch of their best players from this past season. They're going to be there as well. That could be an early season event that is still pretty fun. We also found out recently Louisville was going to open the season at home against Western Kentucky. It's a Western team that should be good again next year. They're going to be really talented. Um, we'll see what happens with Charles Bassey. But that'll be a fun season opener. It's the second straight year where we've had a game to start the season that I think people can get really, really excited about. We're also going to play Navy, support the troops, cards versus troops. That game's going to happen. And the rest of the non-conference schedule is still being flushed out. Again, This is you're, there aren't a whole lot of games left out there to schedule now at this point. With the 20-game ACC schedule, the built-in games against WKU, against Kentucky, and the ACC Big Ten Challenge, I think we only have three games left now that we don't know about that we're going to find out about at some point between now and when the schedule officially comes out uh, in August. So that's where we are with scheduling. Let's get to some of your questions on Twitter. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing. One of the questions, ironically, right there that I, I see is, how many times a day do you think you have the coronavirus? When you read the symptoms and they talk about it feeling a lot like the flu, fever, dry cough. Uh, the other thing is you're really tired all the time. I'm an asthmatic who lives in the Ohio Valley and has a six-month-old daughter. I think I have the coronavirus 45 fucking times a day. I, I, I constantly think I have it. Maybe I do. I, I don't know. But there's no way for me to know if I have this thing. Because if I actually did, I would feel no differently than I, I do typically. So yeah, uh, that's uh, I definitely feel like I have it all the time. Corey Miller says, ideal starting five for next year, transfer options included. I kind of 
just touched on that. I, I think if you have David Johnson, if you have Justin Turner, if you have Samuel Williamson, um, we'll say for now, knowing what we have, Malik Williams, and then I'd say either Quinn Slozinski or I guess Jalen Withers at the four. We'll say Quinn for now. It's a starting five I can work with. I think that would be great. Our guy Crumbs Revenge, what channel are the live sports on? Uh, I apparently lost all those channels. I've watched more horse racing on my phone in the last week and a half than anybody should be watching in late March, early April. Uh, and I, I know Danny and I talked about it, I think, in the last podcast, but watching old Louisville games, I've done it a little bit. If it's on, whatever, I still just I can't really get into it. It, just, it makes this whole thing hurt a little bit more for me. I don't know. Um, and I, I did I, the whole, this whole time we've been doing the podcast, I had this big plan for the summer where we were going to do the stuff where, you know, I, I gave you guys an assignment to go watch an old Louisville game. And then, you know, let's say we were going to do like the, the O2 Florida state football game. And then Keith and I would watch it and we would come on here and we talk about our favorite parts, just kind of relive it. And a lot of people have said, why don't we do that now? Again, I just, I, it's, that's July material. I, I don't want to be doing it in, in March and April, and but here we are. I, I get it. Greg says, what are the best regular season basketball UofL games to rewatch? There aren't a whole lot of full games out there from regular season uh, on YouTube and stuff. Any Kentucky game where we win is always fun to watch from start to finish. A game like the Miracle on Main against Marquette is great, but it sucks for like 90% of it. You kind of want to fast forward to the part where Preston Knowles goes unconscious. It's just... I don't know. Like there aren't a whole lot of great regular season games out there on YouTube. Uh, fake Gimmel, fake Jamel Martinez says, "If the college football season is shortened, would you want U of L and UK to cancel their game?" No, no. And I know that the the buzz in college football circles is getting more and more. People are worried that we're not going to have a college football season, and shortening it obviously is really difficult. I think the the trouble with college football is unlike what they're talking about doing with the NBA and other, you, you can't go to a central location and play all the games there. I know the premier league in England is talking about doing the same thing. College football is, uh, there's no way to make that happen. And if you shorten the season, I mean, the sample size is already small enough. It's too small in my opinion to have a postseason the way that college football does. If you have a six game schedule or a seven game schedule, how in the world do you determine who the, are the four teams that have distanced themselves from the pack? That would be awfully tough, but it would make a, a rivalry game like Louisville-Kentucky even more intense, I, I think. That would be a bigger deal. So, no, uh, if we're only going to play a handful of games, I would definitely want Kentucky to be one of those games. Uh, Gil Bolberg says, which coach is most and least likely to be honored by their former school? Rick Pitino at Louisville, John Calipari at Memphis, Billy Clyde at Kentucky, and Kevin Ollie at UConn. First of all, Billy Gillespie gets a job at, what, Tarleton State? No idea how that happens, but wishing the best. Um, I don't think Calipari, they already tried to honor him at Memphis, and the fans revolted to the point where they they switched course. Billy Gillespie is never going to be honored at Kentucky because why would you? I think Kentucky fans maybe would be more forgiving because he just kind of sucked, and they feel bad for him now because of all the stuff that's happened. after. Kentucky basically broke Billy Gillespie. There's no way around it. Kevin Ollie is never going to be honored at UConn. Never. Um They've been involved in lawsuits. He's got a show cause against him. They I, That may be the ugliest breakup of any on the list. Rick Pat, Patino at Louisville might be the answer. Um, just because I think we'll get to a point sometime, certainly not right now, where there's a whole lot of forgiving and forgetting. And uh, Calipari left Memphis. 
Gillespie was pushed out of Kentucky because he sucked. Ollie was fired at UConn. Patino wasn't fired for on-court reasons. Like it, it was all off-court stuff, and, and I think his role in this is still a little bit murky. So I think that might be my answer, but right now, certainly no. I, I know that like a little behind-the-scenes stuff. I, Patino, he won't even come to Louisville to play Bellarmine at this point. So that's how firm he is in not wanting to play a game here. A lot of people have been asking if the recruiting struggles and transfer struggles are based on the NCAA stuff and the fear that Louisville might miss a tournament. Look, in a word, yes. There's there's no other way to put it. <clears throat> and, excuse me, I don't want to be the whole, I don't want, I don't want to be, I was texting with a coach guy, but I was texting with a coach. And uh, it was an assistant coach of a program that has a grad transfer who originally had Louisville on his list and no longer has Louisville on his list. And straight from this coach's phone, he said that his head coach was under the had been told and had told this player that the word is there's an 80% chance that Louisville is going to not is going to be banned from the NCAA tournament in 2021. I have no idea where that number comes from. I don't think it's accurate. I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen with all this. I can't imagine that. You could put a number, even if you did think, even if you did have a source at the NCAA. But there is zero question that other programs that are going after the transfers, that are going after the recruits, that are going after the the grad transfers that Louisville's targeting, are using Louisville's current murky situation with the NCAA against it. There's zero doubt about it. Um, Everybody who asked that question, there's your answer. Yes. Uh, But Sean Leonard said, after watching the scheme, what's your take on the size slash girth of Will Wade's gonads? Definitely big bulls. No question about it. Guy's got, uh, guy's got definitely massive, massive cojones. Um, and he's still coaching. Unbelie- it's unbelievable. But we, we've already discussed that. Uh, my guy, good Tom Charlie. What's the biggest dog you have seen in person and why? My next door neighbor growing up had a massive, massive Great Dane. Like We had a huge fence and the dog could see right over it. Is there a little bit of a like, the Sandlot, the Beast situation at play here because I was a kid, probably. But in my mind, that dog was no smaller than 11 feet tall. And she was she was sweet. Uh, I loved it. Uh, but that, that was the biggest dog that I've ever says, which coach would you least like to be quarantined with and why? Fran McCaffrey, Josh Pastner, or Tom Crane? Obvious answer to me. It's Fran McCaffrey. Like, Pastner and Crane are both weird and it would not be a pleasant experience to be. Like, Fran McCaffrey would make you cry. Three days into quarantine, there's zero doubt in my mind that Fran McCaffrey would have done something to make every person listening to this and myself cry. Like that's that's just what he does. Like that, that, that to me, no no question about it. Evan Shaheen says, uh, should Louisville basketball bring back the early November matchups against EA Sports All Stars from the 2000s? Those were some terrific contests, in my opinion. Absolutely. <clears throat> I think the NCAA changed the rule now. You can't play those teams anymore. You can't play those traveling teams of former college players and semi pros. But we used to, them and Athletes in Action, which always had Brian Kaiser. I think there was like a global sports all-stars. We actually lost to the A sports all-stars that one year when Teddy Dupay went nuts from three, the former Florida star. And uh, I think that's still the last time Louisville lost an exhibition game. So when I love to see them come back, yeah, they were a lot of fun. But I do kind of like giving the D2, D3, NAIA schools a shot to play in the Yum Center. I think that's always fun. Um, Corey Mattingly, what's your favorite pregame tailgate food? I'm a, I mean, I don't get too exotic with the tailgate food. I'm a standard burger, wings, some kind of pasta salad or dip 
and then just beer. Like that's uh, pretty straight for me. Um, Sean Thompson, who or who do you think was the other player that Christian Dawkins quote unquote got for Rick besides Bowen? It was referred to in one of the phone calls. I think that the the player that Dawkins and company referred to as knowing or having a relationship with was always VJ King. Uh, he came out in that Yahoo document. There was no there were no reports of any wrongdoing there. Uh, I think it, it all checked out. Louisville looked into it when his name popped up on that, uh, that that dossier that Yahoo found. The other player that they were trying to get for Patino was a uh, Balsa uh, Kupravica, who's now at Florida State and who is not very good. That's also the player that uh, that Will Wade was talking about during one of the wiretap calls that he had to close the door uh, for. So that's the best. Uh, I think probably. They were talking about VJ if they were referring to another guy that they had a relationship with. Um, let's see here. Dwayne Edwards says, could all of this go away if we sacrifice Bompy? Yes, of course. No question about it. Uh, Andrew Eville, is that Windows still deal? Windows deal still on? My grandma that lives in Valley Station needs new windows. I miss the Universal Windows Direct jingles more than I miss anything else. Um, Jason Riley, if sports were to never start back up, what would could you do for a living and he's proud of himself because he asked a serious question. That is a, that is a good question. I, I would not go back to law school. I know a lot of people have said that. Just not for me. Um, I don't know. Ugh. I'd probably write other stuff. Something else where I would write. Uh, at one point in time, I did want to write about politics. I have zero, zero desire to do that now. But I would like to write about something else. Um, Uncle Jim, if you were going to make a move to the Ozarks to smuggle money... Which former card would you take with you to be your partner and why? Will Scott, no question about it. He's killing it on Wall Street. Uh, he's a super smart dude. Went to Cornell University. Ever heard of it? Will Scott's my pick. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Greasy T says, have you considered starting your own business? Maybe something like doing apathetic pranks. Maybe charge like 30 to 40 bucks a pop. I don't know if anybody else saw that story in the Courier Journal today about the guy who's quote-unquote, an entrepreneur who's launching the business where he's going to prank people by putting up a picture of them photoshopped with the presidential candidate that they don't support and putting it in their yard. It's the dumbest idea that I've ever heard. No, uh, I was going to say no offense to that guy, but I guess offense to that guy. It's it's a bad idea. Murders will happen if this thing happens. So there it is. Uh, LJ, the fiasco. The CC pod has the chance to choose the last two teams for the NCAA tournament. Of the names below, you have to choose two coaches and their program to give the bids to. Whichever coach does not receive a bid must retire immediately. And the list he has, Tom Crean, Tony Bennett, John Calipari, Coach K. Um, well, Crean's getting a bid. I think he's hilarious, and I, I want him around. And he's harmless. Um, I'll give Coach K the second bid just because he's old. He's near the end of his career, so... He's going to be out anyway. Get Calipari out of here. Get Tony Bennett out of here. No brainer. Easy. Uh, okay. Way too many questions. I've already gone on too long. You're listening to one person ramble for way too long. But thanks so much for tuning in to the Car Chronicle podcast. We're not going away, by the way. We, we're going to get this thing figured out. We're going to have Danny on. We're going to have Keith on. We're going to have uh, a bunch of other people on. I've got some guests lined up who want to help out. It's just a matter of finding the time for me at this point. But hopefully things will ease up at some point in the relative near future. Until then... Please subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. A five-star rating and a nice review would also go a long way towards helping us out. And thanks so much for tuning it in. I promise it won't be as long between this episode and the next episode as it was between this episode and the last episode. We will be back sooner rather than later. Until then, thanks so much for listening and go Cards.